Welcome everyone. So this week we've got Sharon and we've got my brother Michael, so it's a full-on family Oof. affair. Watch out. <laughs> International award, mate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one asked for it, but I'm here anyway. <laughs> so this should be fun because I've got so many memories of us growing up around the dinner table, much like this table, and us having some full-on conversations or arguments. So mm -hmm. Do you think we're going to get into it today, Michael? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, before the show, we were saying there's been no arguments so far. We don't have Rachel or Erica need, here. We need, need both Erica. of those yeah. two here. Yeah, I feel like we could have an argument today, though. Yeah? yeah. I'm down. Ready <laughs> to go? <laughs> no, we should have lots of fun. So, all right, um, kicking things off, uh, what we want to talk about today. What do you think about this one, Shaz? Love is the conversation we care most about. Mm -hmm. But it's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, well, being the mother of Michael was pretty <laughs> hard at times. It's good to be here. <laughs> oh, dear. No, it is. Love Love is really, really hard. It's really hard to do. I'm, with some of the kids' programs that we run over and over again, when we've dealt with the topic of love and we've come to that part about, oh, what happens if somebody's mean to you? They, they constantly say, well, mum and dad have told me that you just, <laughs> <laughs> that if someone's mean to you, you're just mean back. So it's like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And like some of the eight-year-olds, they're just hilarious, you know, especially in a school holiday program. Some of the things they come <laughs> out with of what they've done um, to other kids. Yeah, I took him down, <laughs> got him on the ground. <laughs> it's been quite hilarious. So I kind of go... We talk about it a lot, but it's really hard to live out. We all define it differently, though, don't we? Like, we all care about this thing called love, and we care about talking about it, especially about, like, marginalised populations and that sort of thing. But it's really hard to define, don't you think, Mike? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I probably don't have much more to add there. <laughs> it's fine. I just thought I'd try uh, set you up with a big failure. To yeah, say yeah and um, we've got that recorded now. He's got nothing to say on that's that right. topic. I'll get, I'll get, I'll get lucky to edit it. <laughs> just the big, big old stitch up. Um, but something that's interesting about this one, though, Shaz, is that 2,000 years ago, it was this guy called Jesus. Yep. And he spoke about love and he spoke about a more loving society and a different way of love. It was totally different from the way that everybody else did. But he actually came about it a very, very different way than what we generally tend to assume that you would go about a conversation like that, didn't he? So we've actually got a little verse here, which I might just quickly read out just to describe it. And I'd love to hear all of you, your thoughts about how to engage in a conversation about something that we all care very uh, passionately and deeply about, that being how to do this thing called love. So it says that about Jesus, it says in Matthew 5 verse 1, it says, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him. And he began speaking to them. And then he goes on in the next couple of chapters of these crazy, crazy um, different stories, which we're going to be unpacking over the next couple of weeks as we try to understand how to love one another a little bit better. But what's, um, I know that little verse there, Shaz, is really important to you. Do you want to begin to explain why? Yeah, because... What he, what he goes on to say is quite confrontational. Sometimes we have this idea of, you know, meek and mild Jesus, kind and loving Jesus. But what he actually had to say was quite confronting and controversial. Mm. Um, but he does it in a way that's conversational. So he's, mm, he huge. invites people to come into this conversation. So he sits down, he eyeballs them, and it's kind of like this dialogue well, he's inviting people to have a dialogue or to um, – he's kind of disarming them and sort of saying, oh, let's, let's sit and have this conversation. And I, and I, I find that quite refreshing because it's kind of like um, 
let's just sit at the table and have this conversation and see where it leads. Yeah, it's mm. not really like a one-way form of communication, is it? No, no, no he's not it's posting not, it's on not, social media. No, <laughs> no, he certainly wasn't. But it is, you know, I mean, it's one thing to be controversial and to have a controversial stance like Jesus did at the time and still does in many ways. But to then put that perspective out there, but in a conversation, in a format that not only allows for but encourages people to answer back or, or disagree or to ask questions. I think that's super powerful. Mm. And I think the text said that he spoke into his disciples, didn't he? Yeah, didn't I think it? so. I think so. Yeah, which is quite interesting. So he wasn't speaking at the disciples, but he was mm. speaking into who they actually were. And, mm. and so the conversations that he has, which we'll unpack, it's kind of like he's speaking into the depths of who they are and into the real part of who they are. So, yeah, he's not just having a superficial conversation about people. He's not mm. having a superficial conversation about events, but he's actually having this real conversation about ideas and thoughts and values and beliefs which actually impact the essence of who we actually are. Yeah, it's great. It's good. So as we all sort of grapple with this idea of making our society a more loving place and... Or well, even ourselves more loving. Yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> how do I receive love? How do I extend love, especially to those that hurt us? Like, you know, there's mm. all these questions about what love would have me do. Like, if I see inequality, what would love have me do? Can I look the other way? All these questions about how do we actually unpack love? And so then here comes Jesus, and rather than standing on a soapbox, he decides to sit down and engage in a conversation, which is yeah. obviously part of the reason why we started doing things in this sort of a format. Mm-hmm. But um, do you think people engage in conversation very well nowadays? Like if we're to, as a society, take this and run with it and learn how to love better, and obviously the way that we've been shown here is to engage in conversation, do you think society engages well in that? Um, well, I think the people are struggling to engage I don't know, Mikey, what about you? I mean, you're a storyteller, you're a filmmaker, mm. you love creating stories and writing stories. Do you think that people, because um, often the stories you write are, are reflections of culture, aren't they? You're just putting the yeah, story yeah. and what's happening in culture into a story form mm-hmm. and usually you try to have a bit of fun with it Absolutely. at the same time. Yeah, a bit of old straight racer. But do you find yeah. it hard to get people to engage with com- conversations about thought? Like, like um, I came across this quote which said... Um, Great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. Mm. Uh, do you find as a storyteller people f- find it hard? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, probably not. I mean, over, overall, like, if you, you think about, like, my most recent kind of story being Street Racer that I made with Dylan, obviously, like, we didn't struggle for people, say, engaging with that as a piece of content. I mean, maybe some people thought that there was some inappropriate language in there or the jokes were... Um, maybe a step too far at points or all those sorts of things, which I disagree, but, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, overall, with the stuff that I create, generally not. I think it's more generally in the kind of person-to-person conversations and just kind of society at large. But also, I mean, I'm only 28. And so whilst at the moment I think it definitely does seem like people are struggling to actually sit down and have conversations and real meaningful conversations and conversations where it's okay if you both walk away you know, believing something different or thinking something different. Disagreeing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like at the same time, I think, I don't know, if you look, I also love history and if you look at history, you can't say that this is the only time that we've struggled to have conversations. Mm. I mean, you look at the all the violence throughout history or all the, you know, whatever you want to say, misunderstandings or all that sort of thing. And so it's, it's obviously it's something that's kind of 
inherent to humans. But I do think that at the moment with where we're at in terms of, especially in the Western world, you look at where we're at in terms of, um, there doesn't feel like there's a lot of social cohesion at the moment. Mm. And, you know, a lot of that has come about because we're in a new time. You know, look at you look at the change that's, you know, social media's only been around for, what, 10, 15 years, but really probably mm. only made it playing a huge role in the last five to 10. And so I guess as people, we're still kind of trying to evolve and figure out how do you have those conversations. And unfortunately, probably, you know, the technology and other things have probably sent us in a negative direction, I think. Hmm. Why do you think people, either of you, why do you think people prefer and are more comfortable talking about people and events as opposed to ideas? Um, I think it's easier to talk about people because ideas are dangerous and they're scary. Sure. And also ideas take heavy lifting to think, to like, you have to critically think like, oh, you have to be open-minded to go, hmm, what do I think about that, you know? Whereas people, you can quickly decide whether you like someone or not and therefore whether they're worth listening to. Mm. And there's also, um, you know... you can go someone, oh, they're on my team there. They might be Christian, so therefore I'm going to listen to them because they're Christian. They might be saying something completely terrible, mm. they, you know, but because they're Christian, you might decide to listen to them or vice versa. You know, they might be, um, they might have an atheist background or they may be LGBTQ or whatever it is. And often I think it's easier to look at the category the person sits into rather than actually going, oh, hold on, let's just consider their idea and have a meaningful dialogue about that. So I think it's both easier and probably less scary to probably just talk about or judge the person rather than talk mm. about or judge the idea. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly seen that play out even just within Christianity where you've got the different streams. You know, you've got your Pentecostal stream and then your evangelicals, middle road kind of stream and then you've got your liturgical um, stream. And it's kind of like at times um, you can dismiss one another from those streams when in actual fact some there, there may be some powerful thoughts that each stream actually contributes yeah it's good and if you can just do away with the cultural speak and actually hear the idea behind the stream it, there's benefit and there's beauty in each one of those streams that brings this mosaic kind of picture to your own inner life and, and there are That's rhythms good. there that you can learn that are just so mm. powerful from each of those streams. So, either of you, why do we become so tribal in terms of who we listen to and why we listen to them then? I think we're just ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> we're just ignorant. Maybe. I don't know. We just get so threatened. It's kind of like, oh, they don't speak my language or they don't have my theology, so therefore I'm not going to listen to them. I don't yeah. know what it is. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's less threatening, isn't it? Like yeah. it's easier to just kind of have that confirmation bias and sit in your bubble of people that only agree with you. Yeah. Because then it does like, because I mean, the reality is, is otherwise you might have to change yourself. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 If you're faced with an idea or something that's, um, you know, threatening, you do have to change sometimes. Yeah. Right? And then also there's a whole bunch of other things like, you know, holding certain ideas in today's society might mean that um, people might fear they'll lose a job if they say certain things or they might feel like um, they'll lose friend groups or they'll, you know, they might fear, um, you know, if I start to kind of widen my perspective or try to think differently, will that, you know, make you into a social pariah? Will that create issues between you and your family? So then mm. therefore it's easy not to go That's there. Mm. You know, I think there's, mm. I think <clears throat> we're just so, so afraid of, um, being even more disconnected from everyone else because that, you know, having the, those ideas being the thing that forces we us struggle, apart. We struggle to disassociate the idea from the person, don't we? 
Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like that idea of fear, but we're very judgmental also of other cultures that create yeah. that fear. Like I remember we had an employee who had to flee um, a Muslim country because of um, speaking out a thought, mm-hmm. um, which then meant that they were put under surveillance, which wow. meant that they had to actually... Um, get out of Compton. Get, <laughs> get out. And, and we can kind of be very critical of that country and that, um, you know, the rigidity. That system. Of that system. Yeah. And yet we create our own microcosm kind of systems, don't we? You know, like we don't want to sit and have That's a good. meal with somebody because they might have a different viewpoint mm-hmm. or if somebody, say, becomes a Christian, like they say in, when Tim and I first church planted, if somebody became a Christian, most family members just went, oh, well, you know, what's right for you is mm. good enough for you, whatever. Nowadays, if somebody becomes a Christian, it's kind of like the family really kind of not gang up but become very concerned and try to talk that person out of exploring mm-hmm. in that journey. So, so it's kind of like we're... We're going down a track which I'm not sure is that helpful. So do you think we become more um, intolerant if we stay inside those little echo chambers that we build around ourselves all the time? Like, what, Yeah, what I think everyone becomes, whether you're Christian, Muslim, Hindu, atheist, secular. Whatever. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think that we, we have to constantly be thinking about other people's ideas and thoughts because... You never know where gold is, do Yeah, it's good. I think, I mean, exactly what you said, but I mean, I think if you look at the political spectrum, whether it's on the left or the right, I mean, the people that stay in their echo chamber and they go more to the fringes of either side, I mean, they don't seem to become any more willing to have open conversations with people. So Mm. kind of proof's in the pudding there, I think. You love Trump, don't you? No, I don't love Trump. You love Trump. I, you, you love follow. You, you can do a very good impersonation. Let's have an impersonation. Come on, mate. Come Build on, that mate. wall. China. <laughs> um, no, look, I, I, I'm here for the memes. I love the Trump memes. But I mean, I, I just, I initially thought in 2016, I first I love following the politics and US politics is very it's house of cards. House, house of cards could no longer work <laughs> because it, the reality became so much more extreme. Um, wow! But like I, I, I think they're in a really dangerous place, and I think obviously, out of all the Western countries, they're in a really, really dangerous place, and it's really worrying when you look at it. But I remember back in 2016 when Trump got elected, everyone was shocked, and I was going, I, 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 I thought that he was going to win because I remember seeing in the build-up, I remembered seeing like images of him at rally after rally throughout the middle of the country with people turning up in their tens of thousands. And then you had Hillary Clinton, you know, on stage with Katy Perry in Los Angeles. And it's like, it's so out of touch. And so I kind of, when you say I love Trump, I love that (laughs) Trump got elected because it was like a big kind of stuff you. But I think that, I think that he's more of a symptom of the times we're in than the problem itself. I think that if you got rid of, like, let's be honest, in no sane society should someone like Trump be president. But again, what are the what are the circumstances that allowed someone like that to become elected? And I thought I thought that if someone like him got elected, then people would see, hey, you know what? We can't just dismiss half the country and tell them they're um, deplorables and not listen to them and not engage with them in conversation. But unfortunately, I don't think that's the way that it's going to go. 
because we've had lots of arguments you and I about Trump and yeah, for America sure. and that sort of thing. And it's been really interesting because through arguing our different points of view, like we've come to under, like understand a greater idea behind just the figure of say Trump. Like one example would be as we've discussed whether he's good or bad or whatever else. I think you sort of hinted at it just before when you talked about how um, it's actually a symptom of the how divisive the society and the mm. culture in America is, not necessarily about the actual figure of Trump, mm. but the fact that, that, that uh, everyone seems to be so um, divided and so quick to oppose and in their own little idea tunnels. Yeah, totally. And totally. That, that, that's the real threat to America, not this figure of Trump. Exactly. It's it's like if you get... Whether if, you like him or if, not, if, Marty, I'm looking after you. <laughs> if Trump gets, uh, uh, you know, doesn't get elected in the next... Or gets impeached or whatever, you, you're mad if you think the problem with society is going away. Trump's not the problem. The problem is that we won't sit down, treat people with respect and have conversations. Mm. Mm. That's the... Pro- like, that's, that's the fundamental problem. It's confirmation bias, isn't it? Yeah, it's confirmation bias. Yeah. And I don't know why um, we seem so happy just to pick a side and sit in that side and then just take solace in the side that, you know, aware of higher virtue than someone else because I have a different opinion. Mm. We're, all, we're all people at the end of the day. We're all flawed. Yeah. Mm. I mean, some more than others. <laughs> Not like Trump probably, but I mean. Well, I thought you just pointed at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Two of my um, highlight moments, I suppose, was when we went to India and um, it had been arranged for us to sit and speak with a Hindu priest who's in, in cabinet and just listening to how he was living for the people. Like he only had, I think, two changes of clothes. He only ate fruit and veg. He lived very simply mm. in this house, simple house. He walked everywhere because he was trying to identify with the poor um, and present them in parliament. And just sitting and listening to the beauty of his heart, even though theologically and our ideas about God and, and the universe might be so different, we found similarity in terms of our heart of compassion and justice for the poor. And I was so inspired by how he was trying to live so authentically for people, for the poor. Just resonated on the inside. But, you know, there are a lot of people, especially, you know, who would never sit and have that conversation or sit and have a meal. And then I remember we went to um, the the Sikh temple and they'd arranged for us to actually go behind the scenes and, and sit with them for a whole afternoon. And I remember just sitting having chai with this Sikh uh, female leader and just her passion for family. And I had no understanding that the Sikh religion was so for family and how, you know, how much they invest into family and how everything revolves around the family. And, And again, I found solidarity and similarity, even though there was diversity and we had conversations about Jesus and we had conversations about what they believe. And, and so there was some difference there, but there was also similarity. And I kind of go, you know what, you and I could work together in so many facets of bringing beauty on planet earth because whilst we have our difference we also have similarity but again I came away enriched I came away with ideas I came away thinking you know I could put that on the ground I could take that idea and put that idea on the ground it was so good but again there were many there I know of many people who would never even go Mm. into a Sikh temple and sit down and have a conversation yeah and yet when you sit and have the conversation you realize they're just like you they're exploring a journey. They're they're considering how to love and how to live out love on planet Earth and mm. how to love themselves and love others. 
And I would have missed those conversations. And that's what I love about Jesus was that Jesus didn't ask whether you agreed with him or not. He just sat and had a conversation. Yeah. Wow. That's what I, yeah. I find it's fascinating. Powerful. Yeah. 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 We become robbed if we don't enter into those conversations with people that aren't like us or that think a different way to us, don't we? Yeah. Like that's what I heard from your story. Yeah. 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 Because mm. my life's been richer. I often think of those, like sometimes when I'm a bit discouraged by the materialism and... Or sometimes when I find even within my own self I'm, I'm wanting to be more material, you know, um, I might want to buy a new couch or I want, might want to, at the moment it's um, an oven, you know, the oven I've got just drives me nuts. And, um, but for whatever reason, at the moment it's not on the cards and so sometimes I can get frustrated with my financial situation. But then I kind of go, you know what, I've made decisions, I've made decisions to live in a certain way so that... I can then um, resource all my favourite projects, you know, live yeah. for others. So often in those moments I go back to those conversations with the Hindu priest or the Sikh or other Christians who have made similar decisions where they want to live simply so that then they can expand love generously and, and they, it keeps me going, it keeps me inspired. That's so cool. Yeah. So cool. So what do you guys think happens when we stop having those conversations? Like you've sort of touched on it a little bit there, but maybe we can flesh it out a little bit. So either inter internally or externally, like society-wide, I don't really mind either end of the spectrum here. Well, I mean, if you're, not, if you're not having those conversations and putting yourself with people that believe different things to you or just, you know, come from different backgrounds and all that, you do miss out on that kind of enriching experience that you just talked about. And I think in, internally, I mean, it just really stops you from growing, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Like it just kind of puts a limit on who you can actually really become as a person and mm. what your understanding and empathy for others can kind of mm. be and what that can manifest mm. as. And I think, I think, you know, if you're someone who subscribes to the you know, Christian faith and to Jesus' example, you know, if you're unwilling to have conversations with people who are different than you, and you then you can't grow in that empathy um, it's not very Christ-like, is it? No. no. So, Mikey, um, I, when we went to India, I, I know that you were really, really impacted. So um, I think you were about 12 years of age and, and we were on this train mm -hmm. and it was going through the slum areas and the slum areas were, you know, <laughs> you were just sitting there kind of going, oh, my goodness, as this young kid going, how on earth, I think you said, how on earth, can some people stuff up the country <laughs> yeah. so much? You were just yeah. reeling with the shock of the slum areas. Yeah, it's hard to figure out how do you get to that point. <laughs> you can, no, when you come from a yeah. background like mine, literally it's how does yeah. how do things get that bad? Yeah, yeah. And then so we were kind of going through that area and then we went and visited this really young pastor and you were just really impacted by that mm -hmm. young pastor. Can you remember the story? Yeah, so like you said, I think I think um, when we went to India on that trip, I think I was 12 or 13, like you said, and I mean, I was shocked by the whole country firstly because, I mean, it's just confronting and you can't escape it, like especially when you come from, you know, background, like being brought up in Australia, which is such an amazing, uh, lucky country. But when we went out to this rural area and, you know, the people we were with, they were going to check up on him because I think he had been beat up a few times. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so we went out and the dude was younger than me. Yeah. Yep. He was, you know, I'm 28 now. He was in his early 20s. He had a young wife, young family. And, you know, he's out here in this kind of community and 
he was trying. He was doing his best to try and help that community. He was have doing conversations. He was doing his best to just have conversations and meet that community where they're serve at. Serve the poor and serve the poor. And because he had a different belief and backgrounds than what they did, he had been beat up multiple times. Yeah. And yeah, I was just I was deeply, deeply impacted by it. And um, I just remember at the time, just even then, thinking, "Wow, this guy is so young. He's got a young family. He's got nothing." Um, he's out here doing what he can and he's getting beat up for it, but he's mm. still out there giving it a crack. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm still deeply impacted, especially, you know, you consider that, you know, Australia is just such a wealthy country. Mm. We have such a good social security net compared to places like India where they have, you know, nothing. And so um, that experience never left me. Mm. And and it's you know even in other travels like remember when we went to the US when we were kids I think I was probably even a little bit younger than that yeah. I remember we were in Chicago and that was the first time that I had really actually seen like proper homelessness and proper p- poverty on the streets side by side with the incredibly wealthy mm. yeah. and that was I just couldn't believe that yeah do you remember getting lost in Chicago and we ended up in a neighbourhood that on we should <laughs> ended up in and it was I think I, think I saw Kanye. Was, some deep dish pizza baby. Yeah. It was like, uh, let, let's get out of here and get out of here. Yeah, I can remember turning kind of off feeling. the highway in the wrong area and I couldn't, I yeah, didn't realize. wandered down there. Yeah, yeah no, no, sure I thing, mate. I, no, I think we were driving, weren't we? We were driving. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember the story. And, and I, I remember though, because I was like, why are mum and dad so stressed that we took the wrong turn on the highway? It's not that big a deal. And then you get older and you go, okay, that's why it's a big deal. Yeah, we were just the wrong colour in the wrong neighbourhood, the wrong time of night at... Yeah. 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 The wrong season. Yeah. But those stories, I think the reason why they leave such a big imprint on us, though, is because they force us to ask some of those bigger questions, don't they? Like coming back to this whole thing about being open minded and being willing to have a conversation with different ideas. Like it asks you, what would love have me doing in the same scenario? Or what would I be willing to go and be beat up for? Or yep. how could it, yep. ways of Western society, allow race segregation and structured inequality and yeah. do these things exist or even just the things that we complain about here yeah isn't that big a deal yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean like come on yeah that road works oh <laughs> road works <laughs> <laughs> but it caused you to think didn't it because that was story in india i remember just as we were leaving the guy handed you some money and um <laughs> we're really doing this <laughs> we're really doing this I don't think that happened. <laughs> it did happen. Oh, I heard that you beat him and robbed him. Every Michael. single time, every single time, Mum tells this story. She says that he gave me money. All I took was his, was his life savings. <laughs> so no, I didn't take any money. You did take some money. It's Dad and I against you, and unless you can get and your like brother I, and like sister, I, like I said, you exaggerate break. all the time. Dad's had two strokes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, the point of the story was was that it makes you think about those bigger ideas, not just about people, doesn't it? It makes you think about how you use your money, how you use your time, how you use your resources. You know, what are you going to actually, what sort of legacy you want to leave in life? Um, It makes you think about ideas rather than just having a conversation about people or about events. Yeah, makes you really think about some of those bigger questions. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Which is what Jesus actually wanted, wasn't it? You know, yeah. He wanted to stimulate a conversation about, well, who am I? Absolutely. You know, who, who do you think I am? What, what do you think about my teaching? What do you think about my values? What do you think about how I define love as opposed to how the world defines love? Yeah, and, and what are you going to do with it? Yeah, yeah. that's like right. Once you figure out what you think about it, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's an element I struggle with 
all the time. Yep. Because you just get so caught up in doing what you're doing and yeah, yep. it's tough. It's very tough. So do you think there's any reason why we uh, disconnect from those conversations like within us? Because there's some of those deeper conversations within us as well. Well, it's just hard, isn't it? Because um, it forces you to confront your own hypocrisy. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's well said. Yeah. You know, and we're all hypocrites, um, you know. Well, you know, just even walking down at Shearwater this summer, um, I've just been astounded by the rubbish. Given Australia's conversation that it has with climate change, I just kind of go, we're just a bunch of hypocrites. We you are. Know? We want the politicians to solve it, yet we can't even put our own plastic in a garbage bin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it's impossible, isn't it? Yeah. So I think, I think it's just hard having conversations because it, it, it just confronts what's going on on the inside of us. So it's easier just to gossip about people or to mm. gossip about events rather than to really explore deep Or dismiss ideas. someone just because they're different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and Christians are as guilty of that as anyone else. Totally, totally. If not guiltier. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> I think we're just all equally. Yeah, we're all human, so. Yeah. Mm. So I suppose what we're inviting everybody to do today is to imitate the ways of Jesus, I suppose, in that uh, as we unpack what love might have us do, mm. to enter into these conversations both, you know, the conversations in our own mind but as well as the conversations with others. Is there anything that you guys would add with that? No, just that I think the first step Jesus did in that conversation about love was let's have a conversation. Yeah. 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 That's great. And just because you chat, I mean, like, I'm someone who I love I love a bit of conflict anyway. No. <laughs> and so, like, I don't mind. Like, I quite enjoy that kind of, you know, sword play of having a debate with someone or whatnot. And I enjoy I, it until you make Erica or Rachel cry. <laughs> Erica makes Michael cry. <laughs> yeah, she does. She's a bully. I'm um, shocking. But like, just because you have it, like, I don't mind that conflict with someone and walking away from it. And that doesn't like make me feel bad personally or disconnected from that person. Right? I understand it does for some people because people's personalities are different. But I think that even if you don't come around to thinking their way of you, it, it at least shows that, you know, at the root of what their thinking might be, the root of it might still be in the same lines of you. You just have a different way of arriving. At, or you just have a different, like your intent might be the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever lost a friend? Yeah, I've, I've um, lost a friend through having a disagreement. Do you yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I've certainly, um, probably probably more so, not not probably recently as much, but I've certainly had have had friends or people at school or, you know, soccer clubs or work or different places like that probably distance themselves from me or um, separate them from themselves from me because, you know, um, they, they have a different perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's one of the things that does make it tough to, to um, have that open conversation with people mm-hmm. is because you go, hey, I might be okay having an open conversation with you and if you feel differently, I'm not going to think any less of you, but is that person then going to reject me? And so you're saying that you, you still find it okay about feeling intimate and close and connected to someone even if they disagree. You feel like from your, your what you have to offer, that regardless of what their belief, you, you're still interested in, in yeah, and being often, connected and intimate. But what you're saying is is that not everybody wants to reciprocate that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And I mean, often in my case, like we, one way to get on my nerves is to agree with everything I say. 
I really, really love it when people disagree with me. Oh, I and agree. when they, when yeah, <laughs> when they, when they express that, I actually respect them then. Yeah. And I go, wow, you're actually being real. You're being honest with me. I really like that. Whereas if someone's just agreeing with everything you say all the time, then it's like you're not really engaged in this, are you? You don't really care. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. Hmm. So it's a really good point. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I know I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Have you guys had fun? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's been a bit of fun. We, we didn't really get much conflict. Uh, it, part two, I reckon. Part two, yeah. Why not? In the books. So, the three ways in which we're inviting people to, I suppose, continue this conversation with us. And the first one is to continue to watch as we unpack how Jesus defined love. The second way is I think we've made some discussion questions, some can of worms openers, if I can get that word out. Um, at the end of this, in a little discussion pack, which you can download, which should be a lot of fun, be able to stimulate your thinking that way or stimulate a conversation. And then the third way is we'd love to have a conversation with you. So if you do have questions, let's do Alpha together. It's an awesome platform to be able to explore some of those bigger questions of life. Like I know that you guys are pretty excited by the Alpha content and that format of having a mm. small group and having those um, questions. Do you guys quickly want to speak to your experience with Oh, I, ju I just think like asking some of the questions like, you know, it, it, does evil exist? You know, what do people think? Um, why is there suffering? Um, who is this person called Jesus? You know, is he any different to any other? Did he of the really other, live? Yeah. Um, religious leaders. I mean, when you think about how our political system, our education, health, uh, welfare system, all those are based on his teachings and mm. yet people don't explore who he is. I mean, he's really influential. He, he carved time. Mm. Um, so he's so influential and yet so few people um, really want to grapple with who he is and yet I kind of go, why not? <laughs> mm. Why not? That's great. Anything you'd add? Oh, I just think small groups are great. I yeah. think it's a really cool environment to just be able to have those conversations that you can't have when you're on the, you know, the other end of the screen with something like this, mm -hmm. or even in, you know, physical church, you can't really have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I think small group is just the perfect place to um, just connect with people and ask those questions and hopefully find some answers. Mm. That's great. Cool. Sharon, do you mind praying for us to finish off here? Sure. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you love to have conversations with us. Mm. And I love that you sent your son Jesus to model that having conversations with one another is really important. And I know that there would have been lots of people who would have sat in that conversation you had on that mountain who um, you didn't agree with and they wouldn't probably have agreed with you, but you still sat and you still had the conversation. And I just love that modeling. And I pray for courage for myself and for um, you know everyone who's listening that we all might have the courage to sit and have conversations with people who are the same as us, people who are different to us, to listen to the idea, to still offer connection, to still offer friendship and intimacy even if we disagree. So just teach us this, I pray. In your precious name, amen. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining everyone.